The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. I mean, honestly, why are we even doing a show? It's all over TV this afternoon. Alex Murdoch, the lawyer in South Carolina accused of killing his wife and one of his sons, oh, Lord. is testifying. He's testifying right now. He's cross being cross-examined in the murder trial right now. Fun. And <laughs> CNN and Fox and MSNB, everybody's gone to it. Because nothing says entertainment like a good old salacious trial. It is a throwback for sure. <laughs> we watch so you don't have to. Hi, folks. Troy Coverdale in with you this afternoon. Mitch Fortner traveling back, I feel, for the poor guy. Coming back from Texas where... Well, last night he had to put up with a little bit of rainfall, missed during the course of the game. Not the prettiest weather, but still better than coming back to minus four wind chills. Right. My friends in the Pacific Northwest got leveled a bit harder than what they are used to with, by the way, the winter storm. Portland State's women's basketball team was going to bus to Missoula, Montana yesterday after all the flights were canceled out of Portland. The buses got to Vancouver, Washington, and could get no further. Gosh. Because the bridge into Portland was blocked by wrecks. All from black ice? All from black ice. Lord. And then on top of it, they got pelted with more snow than they're used to. So uh, the first thought that comes to mind, yeah, Troy's happy he's not traveling in Big Sky Country this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> Remember that conversation we had yesterday, talking about the number of Division One basketball playing schools west of the Kansas-Colorado border, and right. you take California out of the mix, and you can understand why travel can be an adventure <laughs> when you are in the midst of basketball season especially. The all-timer remains, by the way. And I know that someone, uh, there's some folks talking on Twitter today about how the weather can change at the drop of a hat. Listen, try calling a football game in Missoula, Montana, where you see rain, sunshine, snow, fog, and a temperature difference of 25 degrees during the course of the ball game. That is crazy. That's hap I mean, I I specifically have a memory of school one day, like all that happened within one day and we got sent home early because of the weather and then it just became nice at the end of the day and we're like, Oh, we're just out early and it's nice out and can hang out now. Cool. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, snow, yeah, snow and ice have you canceled to start the morning and the next thing you know it's sixty five and sunny. That's a heck of a snow day right there, folks. Right. That, that that's the way to go about it. Speaking of the Western Front, well, it's the first day this week that things have been relatively quiet 
as it pertains to the upheaval that is apparently uh, becoming the norm now involving the Pac-12. There have been no new rumors out there today, above and beyond the stuff that we delved into yesterday. One of the things that we will get into today in the second hour, we'll talk with Chris Vanini, the senior college football writer with The Athletic. He had a great piece yesterday in regards to streaming not being the the panacea to all that ails the Pac-12 or even the Big 12 as it pertains to contracts going forward and viewership. We'll get his thoughts on some of the things that uh, he had to say, and, and they're very valid arguments. To be perfectly honest, there are many of them that we can even make regarding where the Royals sit right now with Bally Sports and the limited reach that Bally has in terms of the this region and televising Royals games. More importantly, the fact that you either pay extra for streaming or have to change a streaming provider. This year, Fubo will carry Bally Sports. For how long that continues, I don't know, given Bally is heading towards bankruptcy anyway. But you know, it the 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 upheaval just continues in that marketplace. And we'll get Chris's thoughts as again, yesterday's piece was a solid one, and I think uh, it really lays out many of the things that we should be watching for and just why it may not be an answer. Then you get to, you know, an older guy like me saying, yeah, it all needs to go on over-the-air television again. Forget the cable, forget the... Anyway, but that's me. So, for the moment, nothing new, essentially, on the the Pac-12 watch. It's status quo for the moment, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It allows us to put our attention back on the excitement of where we are on the sports calendar. The fact that March Madness is looming just four weeks away from us. Two weekends of the regular season remain in Big 12 basketball. And after Tuesday night's victory, K-State sitting in that number four slot, or excuse me, number three slot, right behind KU and Texas helped their case out. They get another crack at boosting themselves. And when they travel to Oklahoma State coming up on Saturday afternoon, another opportunity to gain a road victory. Always big when you're positioning yourself for the postseason and where you want to be seated. Not that the Cats resume is being detracted from, given as we talked about with Derek Young yesterday, given the strength of what this conference schedule has been. The Cats are lucky in that aspect because had it been something based on the pre-conference slate, boy, would that have been tough to uh, try to sell. But you have that excitement. You have K-State baseball playing the nation's top team tomorrow afternoon. Spring football is not all that far away. 
you know, we are at a point of the year where a lot of things are coming together. It's not the downtime of the summer where we can all debate and argue and discuss in depth and obsess over conference realignment the way that we have the past two summers. And that's a good thing. I think it's wonderful that we get to get back to the real distraction. The games themselves. The entertainment of why we're watching. The entertainment as to why we talk about the TV contracts. We want to be able to watch and listen to these games. We care. They're our teams. So let's keep that focus on what we're doing. And that is a tremendous place to be. The thing that has bugged me the most about all of this realignment talk as it has come to light in these last few weeks, has been the fact that it is right in the middle of what has been a great basketball season for K-State. It's right in the middle of one of the stretches where, from a sports fan standpoint, you have your locked-in programming every evening as to what you want to watch on TV. College basketball is on everywhere. Sure, it's not college football. I, Mike, Mike Oresco, the commissioner of the American, was on a, a program on Sirius XM earlier this week talking about that there is still that drive for us to watch college football over college basketball. And that's fine. Bowl games still outdraw early season college basketball in terms of fan interest on television, in terms of eyeballs. That's fine. Oresco knows that knows it from, from experience, not just as a commissioner, but he was a programmer at CBS Sports for a while. And he told the story about programming a specific matchup for a, for a CBS broadcast, college basketball broadcast, early season, and it went head-to-head against the New Mexico Bowl on ESPN. And the New Mexico Bowl outdrew the college basketball broadcast. For all of our complaints about the bowl games, they still draw eyeballs. There's something about football in America that has become, by large measure, the national sport. Baseball is not it anymore. And I think we've all been aware of that for a long time. The point being, we're now at that point where college basketball has the focus. And to take away from what we have been waiting for as K-State fans for a number of years, and that is exciting team that... gets out, plays defense well, that gets out and actually has offensive efficiency. Oh, my gosh. So different right now to watch this team than what we have seen the past few years. This is what college basketball should be at this point of the year. It has been a knockdown, drag-out fight in the Big 12, and it has been fun to watch. This isn't the point to be arguing over the future. 
of the sport or of a conference or of it it it's it's just noise it's just noise and i hate it because it detracts from what we're doing it detracts from the fun of what february can be says the guy <laughs> who used to have to travel in this it's a grind for the players and the coaches at this point there is no doubt about that you get to the 1st of february and you start to look at that calendar and you start to see that conference tournament is sitting there right in that first area of march and you look at the number of games that you still have in front of you and you look at that and you go how am i going to get there how am i going to pull this off this drags on me man this is th- this is a grind this is and that's before we even bring in the schoolwork part of it, and all of the other things that are going on away from the court in players' lives. You're at a point in February where the carrot is hanging out there, and it's as close as it has been since you started workouts in September. A coaching friend of mine laid it out this way once, and he's so very right about it. College basketball is the sport where you give up the most as a college student. You give up your Thanksgiving break. You give up your Christmas break. You give up your spring break in most cases. If your team is among those that will be traveling over the summer to a locale, an international trip as an example, okay, well, you're giving up part of your summer break. But in terms of the length of the season and what you give up in the year as a college student to play college basketball, The summit is right there. Your conference tournament is now just two weekends away. The NCAA tournament, just behind that. The reward, competitively, for what you have been doing is just sitting there. It's waiting on you. Then you look at the calendar and you go, criminy, it's still two weeks out. It's a grind. It gets to this point of the year and you're just, you're tired. You're dog beat tired. I don't, I, I wasn't all that surprised to hear Jerome Tang talk about the lack of energy that K-State had against Oklahoma. 
because those games happen in a season and they happen in February especially. It it always feels like to me that every team, no matter how good they are, stubs their toe at least once in February because of the fact that they will have a game where everybody is just shot, have no energy left. And when you're around that group of guys, it's easy to feel that vibe. It's easy to understand that. I had talked about it some going into last weekend's game with Iowa State that what needed to take place was finding that balance for rest and yet being able to work on things. And Coach talked about it on Saturday afternoon that, and ironically, given the anniversary of the Miracle on Ice this week, he had watched Miracle and talked about the legs, how if you don't have your legs, you don't have anything, essentially. Or as Herb Brooks put it, you that the wolves are calling. That's what I was talking about. You have to find that balance, and coaches a lot of times struggle with that, early in their careers especially, because they want to work through it. Work through it. we got to pound through this. We've got to drive through. No, it's February. You have to pull back a minute and let the guys catch their breath because they are as close as you have been since September. Let's play ball. These next two weeks are going to be fun. And then the real entertainment begins with the tournaments right behind it. And we can talk about expansion coming up in the offseason again. Back with more in a moment on the game. I see one of the big wigs noting that the ticket presale is underway for GNR. GNR. It's going to be pretty cool. Where at? Uh, Kauffman Stadium. Wait. They're going to trash the ball field for GNR? Yep. Oh, God. I mean, when Motley Crue was there, they didn't trash it. So. Are you kidding? Did you see what happened to center field? I did not. I just assume I don't know. I didn't hear anything about it. So, the grass turned yellow. Really? Oh yeah. <laughs> Until they could get in and resod it after the next series, it took them some time to get it right again. Because essentially, uh, with the tarps down, if you will, uh, in the effort to try to quote unquote not tear up the field, uh, it took too much heat. Oh. Because it well, you were there. You know how hot it was. <laughs> it was yeah. That was a hot day. That was a hot day for sure. Okay. All right. Huh. May I mention that kid that passed out while we were waiting outside of the venue? Yes. <laughs> Which was a combination of heat and well, just downright. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, to live as a kid again. <laughs> Back when I would have seen GNR in concert. Now, dude, I mean, Axel's fatter than I am. <laughs> but come on, I wasn't around in the 80s. It's my opportunity to finally see them. Slash, I saw him last year with the solo band. He's awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Axel just has turned me off. I mean, after so many years... I, yeah, it's definitely understandable. Yeah, so not not my thing, but ticket presale when it's going on right now till ten o'clock. If you go to one hundred one five krock dot com, you can find the presale link and the code that you can use if you want to get those tickets before everybody gets them tomorrow. See, there you go, Sloan. You got extra right there. You owe me. <clears throat> Bes- oh, never mind. I'll leave that one go. Coming up in the next hour, we talk with Chris Vanini, senior college football writer with The Athletic on streaming and how it's not the panacea that, well, some think it might be going forward for not just college athletics, but watching sports in general on television. Women's basketball coach Jeff Mitty of the Wildcats to join us coming up in the next segment after last night's win over Kansas at Bramlage Coliseum. The good friend of the show, Go Power Cats, Tim Fitzgerald, with his daily delivery today, hit on one of the things that has always kind of gotten uh, under my skin. And I don't know whether it's just because I, I relish the being the underdog or just what it is. I tend to get irritated at anybody who tries to discount me and the things that I love, K-State included. And, okay, K-State as an athletic program, that's one thing. But there are reasons we chose the university, and Tim got into that discussion primarily because of some of what we are seeing come out of some of the Pac-12 schools and their fan bases in their view of those of us who comprise the Big 12. There's an elitism there that has been there for a long time. We I brought it up yesterday. In fact, the, the fact that the Pac-12, specifically the original members, the Pac-8, if you will, have always viewed themselves as the equivalent of the Big Ten, academically and athletically equated them. It's why the Rose Bowl means so much to both of those conferences. Now, the Big Ten put it all to bed by plucking away the two jewels of the Pac-12 in terms of uh, eyeballs while leaving the uh, august academic schools of Stanford and Cal Berkeley to wither and try to figure out exactly what their next step is going to be. At this point, Cal could go to the Big West, and I don't think anyone would care. Honestly, Hawaii might. Hawaii may not want to make the extra road trip just to put up with Berkeley, but that's anyway. Um, see, but and then, but what Tim got into discussing 
plays on the tribalism. And that's the thing that amazes me the most, that through all of these discussions, we get to the base of who we are as humans. And it's always us against them. It doesn't matter if it's athletics, politics, academics even. It's unbelievable how we will separate out ourselves, make ourselves feel good by one thing and denigrate the others. It is unbelievable. And it's human nature. That's the sad part of it, I think, is it is just innate in our nature. It makes things tougher than it should be. Honestly. As a... Oh, I, I could get into a, a, a whole social, economic, social... Uh, social... Sociological. Listen, I've been up since 12 hours ago, all right? <laughs> Respect. Uh, um, sociological. You, know, you could get into so many different things about that. But it is amazing to me that when we start to talk about athletics and conferences and where teams are going or not going or any of that, then we tie in the academics to it. I mean, got to give credit to the SEC. That's one area where, for the most part, they've got it right. They don't give a dang. Academics? What's dem? See, there I go again, separating. <laughs> it's just easy. It's too easy. You reflexively do it. Ah, oh, God. I could sit here and I could talk about it and be all highfalutin, and then I turn around and what do I say? Huh? <laughs> The South Park caveman effect? Pretty much, yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm just a frozen, you know, I'm just a simple, unfrozen caveman lawyer. <laughs> you ever see that bit? Saturday Night Live routine. Right. Yeah. Right. Phil Hartman mm -hmm. was tremendous. Mm -hmm. Tremendous. Unfrozen <laughs> caveman lawyer. Uh, yes. I, I'm just a simple. Okay. Anyway. So... We'll talk a little about us versus them. More appropriately, KU-K State basketball from last night. The us being K-State, gaining the victory in women's action over KU. Jeff Mitty joins us coming up on the game. Tomorrow afternoon, we are off. There will be no edition of the game. K-State baseball matching up with top-ranked LSU tomorrow afternoon in Round Rock, Texas. As for the weekend, the 
Cats are part of a, a four-team event taking place in Round Rock, and they match up with LSU tomorrow afternoon at 2 o'clock. Brian Smoller will have the call tomorrow beginning at 1.30, giving us a day off from the game. Uh, let's see, Monday, I believe that they still have a uh, game on the docket. Let me pull up the schedule here to be for sure, just to uh, double-check ourselves because... Uh, no, actually, Monday they are off, so it means that another edition of Wildcat Insider. Mitch will be back in the uh, building. He'll be back uh, to talk about things uh, ranging from men's basketball through baseball and much more on Monday for Wildcat Insider. The game back on the air then on Tuesday next week, though. We'll have a short show if we uh, do go because it is a 5 o'clock start next Tuesday night for the Cats at Omaha. First home weekend of the series coming up for K-State next weekend when they will welcome in Army and Stonehill playing the two teams twice over. Army on Friday and Sunday, Stonehill on Saturday, and then the following Monday with coverage right here on News Radio KMAN. Tough night for the Cats last night as they fell behind 4-1 to Lamar and uh, the uh, Cardinals were able to pick off their second win over a power five in as many days they had knocked off top five L or excuse me Texas A&M uh, the night previous and then turned around and beat the Cats last night 4-3 as K-State rallied from uh, that 4-1 deficit but could not get over the hump and the Cats go into the uh, weekend in Round Rock at 4-1. and one. Besides uh, tomorrow's game at uh, 2 o'clock, Sam Houston will be the foe on Saturday, then Iowa on Sunday, and you'll hear all three games right here on News Radio KMAN. Though, because of conflicts, there will be a little bit of streaming uh, to begin coverage on those uh, Saturday and Sunday broadcasts. Waiting on uh, K-State women's basketball coach Jeff Mitty to give us a ring for a few minutes of his time this afternoon as the uh, Cats last night picked off the victory over the Kansas Jayhawks and did so behind strong defensive play. Limiting the Jayhawks in the 18-point K-State victory to 31% from the field, a season low, just 45 points put up, and in fact, one double-digit score on the night. Zakiah Franklin finished with just 10 points last evening for Kansas as K-State got right after the loss to TCU over the weekend. It puts K-State in a position, though, where they'll try again this weekend to come up with a road victory. They travel to Morgantown to take on West Virginia Saturday evening at 5 over on Sunny 102.5. And it's that crack at picking up a, a road win with a team that is now 5-10 and 10 in conference action. The postseason still that possibility. An NCAA berth, yeah, the, the likelihood of that is not there, but you're still looking at opportunities uh, such as the WNIT looming out there. And one of the things that I'd hope to talk to Coach about is that in many ways, he continues to have a relatively young team. When you realize that uh, the bulk of the starting lineup continues to be sophomores with this team, 
and the changes that were made with Aoka Lee going down due to injury, uh, getting surgery in August once again for that nagging knee injury that has been bugging her, it forced Mitty and his team into having to make changes that uh, had to be done on the fly. And that's not easy to do. And when you get to this point of the year, you hope that many of those changes have taken and that you're playing your best basketball. But the the loss at TCU the other evening puts that doubt, at least in, in my mind, that, that this team is playing its best. That said, there's still that shot that they can find a way here over the next handful of games to be able to help their case out. And last night was a great example of that because they not only came out and shot the ball well, but they did it against a a team that at one point this year had been nationally ranked and has found itself playing okay basketball throughout. But right now the, the Cats find themselves knowing that they're going to be in an opening day game uh, in all likelihood when the conference tournament gets underway in a couple of weeks. The positioning still going on the women's side. Let's see here. Let me pull up the, uh, pull up the standings. I apologize for that. I had the box score from last night still open. You know, K-State finds itself sitting in that number nine spot right now. TCU's win over the Cats on Saturday is the lone one that they have. So they're number 10. You know that at that point you're looking at Texas Tech, K-State at 8 and 9 in in there. So opening day matchups. Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Iowa State have gotten a little bit of separation, though Baylor is right on the heels of Iowa State. That makes the game at West Virginia – an interesting one for the Cats. They're only two back of West Virginia overall. And and for all of our talk about how competitive the men have been this year, the women's conference race is just as competitive. Yet, the teams aren't seen on the national level to be as good as they were a season ago, which I think is interesting. You only have three teams that have been ranked for the vast majority of this season. Texas, Oklahoma, and even there, Texas has been in and out of the rankings. There was that one week in January where there wasn't even a school from the state of Texas in the top 25 for the first time since the poll came into being in 1976. But Texas, Oklahoma and Iowa State have kind of been the stalwarts this year in the rankings. The three teams that have kind of filtered, and none of them have, of late, gotten any higher than 12. Oklahoma State picked up votes this week. They're sitting at 10-5. and five. Baylor at 8-7 and seven is 17-10 and 10 overall. Not a bad year for Baylor. That makes that home win for K-State look that much better as well. But it's the fact that you get to the bottom half of this conference, and unlike the men's side where Texas Tech has been playing well, but yet still find themselves with just that handful of victories, and Oklahoma has been a, a total drag, 
West Virginia, Kansas, Texas Tech, K-State on the women's side are literally all within a, within two games of each other after last night's games. This conference is better than I think what nationally it has been seen as. But it's also a year where on the women's side, you have the surprise of Indiana's team this year. You have UConn maybe being down a little bit from what they've been in the past, surprisingly. Back-to-back conference losses had not happened for how long for them. And South Carolina continues to be the dominating force. And that being what it is, I, I think that there's some luster knocked off of the women's game this year strictly because much as UConn had dominated for so long at other stretches, and then Baylor had become a dominator, now you have South Carolina that has been number one for over 30 weeks. The third longest ever stint at number one in the women's poll. 35 weeks. They'll be number one again next week. They're going to continue to, to just build on that. The other two schools that have had stints longer than that, UConn and Tennessee. I mean, the, the women's game is the women's game. It, it seems that there's always that dominating team for lengthy stretches, not just on a two, three-year shot. No, it's more like a seven, eight-year shot. And right now, it's South Carolina and Don Staley that are dominating in that. And I, and I think that that, and also, let's be honest, there's also only 20-some-odd voters for the women's poll. There aren't enough eyeballs on the women's game to really make that poll uh, one that is indicative of what people are seeing of teams. And, and, I, and I think that the Big 12 in many ways may be, may be sandbagged this year for reasons that I'm not sure. Maybe it's uh, – it, it, I don't know that you have, as we've seen in the past, the pure stars that you have had in the past. Gabby Gregory would be one if the Cats were sitting higher in the standings, I think, or in the rankings even. But – there isn't anybody with these programs that is eye-popping enough that make you want to watch them on a, on a national stage, I don't think. And I think that that's where Big 12 women's basketball has been hurt this season. It's not near, at least in terms of the attention grabber that it has been. And that's disappointing because it has been a solid race when you look at what these numbers are and Credit to Oklahoma State. They have played themselves into a spot where all rights, they should be ranked next week, sitting at 20-7. and seven. Boy, how about the job that J.C. Hoyt, the former assistant and former head coach then over at Kansas City, has done uh, with that team. Iowa State, 17-8 and eight overall. So you've got four teams that have fewer than 10 losses out of the Big 12 overall. 
And uh, that tournament's going to be a doozy when it gets underway in a couple of weeks. When we come back after the top of the hour news, we'll talk a little Royals baseball. A feature out today by Annie Rogers from Spring Training. Talking about Brad Keller utilizing a curveball. Somebody just hit the brakes, I, I realize. What does it say about what the past Royals pitching coach was telling his players? We'll talk about it. Plus, Chris Vanini with The Athletic to join us next hour as well on The Game.